Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Troy Walls. Uh, we're going to be covering quite a bit of the Bible today. Uh, we're going to be talking about end-time events. End-time events. I'm going to be reading Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 2. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 2. Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, Revelation chapter 20, verse 8. Revelation 20, verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. Now, we have to understand something here. The verses we just read is talking about the time frame that is immediately after the tribulation period. In other words, the battle of Armageddon. Now, when you hear me say the words, this generation, I am talking about the generation we are currently living in. In Matthew, we are told that the generation that sees Israel's rebirth as a nation, which was on May 14, 1948, will be the last generation. That will be the generation we are currently living in. I had someone share some information with me that the church really needs to know about. Then I set about researching it, and he showed me a picture of the leaders of Russia, Iran, and Turkey linking arms in solidarity. Their goal is to, to destroy Israel. Now I'm going to be in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 21. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 21. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. Ezekiel 38, 22. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Now these verses in Ezekiel are at Armageddon. Now here these leaders are in the picture I, de I described, linking arms, preparing the way for the Antichrist. Just last week, most of the world leaders are in talks of how they can set up a one-world economic system. Please don't be naive enough to think that will never happen. It is happening right now. But remember, this is what the Bible teaches, and that is before the Antichrist comes on the scene. Seven years earlier, we, the church, is out of here, the rapture. Now, when we see world leaders gathering and linking arms to go against Israel, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. We, his children, are not going through the wrath. That will be unloaded on this earth, which is called the tribulation period. About 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel told us these days were coming. We are the last generation before the rapture of the church. I want to read you some out of Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. 
And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21.1 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. All right. Go all the way back to Genesis. If you know it from memory, you can see it in your mind's eye. I'm going to be talking in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created. He created what? The heaven and the earth. And if you'll remember, I made the point that, uh, not right away, but after 2,000 years of human history, the nation of Israel disappears. And from the onset of Israel... They are God's what kind of people? Earthly. And all that God dealt with was this nation of Israel until he sent the Apostle Paul to the Gentile world with another whole new ball game and called them the body of Christ. But what kind of people were they? Heavenly. Now this is what you have to do with Scripture. Is God addressing his earthly people, Israel, or is, is he dealing with a heavenly people, the body of Christ? Now, Revelation 21 just told us everything is going to be made new, just like it was in Genesis. A new heaven and a new earth. Now, as you come back up through your uh, New Testament, go all the way with me to Second Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. I feel as though Peter here is referring to what we'll, what we're seeing in Revelation 21. 2 Peter chapter 3 and go all the way to verse 4. So we get what I call the flow of scripture. And remember, Peter is writing. And who is he writing to? Jews. This is Peter addressing fellow Jews. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, that's what the scoffers said up there in verse 3. That's why sometimes I should go further up than I do. But the scoffer said, For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Does that sound familiar? Well, we're hearing the same thing today. We're in a time that's different than anything else. Oh, granted, it's all connected, but we're in the signs of the times. All right, now, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the waters, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now. Now remember, when Peter is writing in the first century, A.D. 60 to 65, the world is as it is now. The oceans and everything have not changed. Second Peter chapter three verse seven. Second Peter chapter three verse seven. But the heavens and the earth which are now 
by the same word are kept in store. In other words, God has not permitted anything to happen to it, but he has reserved it for his own purposes. Remember, which is reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. God is eternal. Time means nothing to God. A thousand years is no different to God than a day. A second is no different than a hundred years. He's eternal. He's timeless. All right, verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now remember, Peter is dealing with his fellow Jews. Now verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But, in spite of dealing with the human race in Israel in particular for a total of 7,000 years, as we get ready for eternity, the Bible says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and be with the heavens, now to me that's outer space, shall pass away with a great noise and the elements. Now I've got to stop right there. How many of you have ever taken high school chemistry, the periodic table? They've got the atomic makeup of all the elements. That's what they call it. See, this is such a scientific book. It's the exact language that chemists use today and also physicists, the elements, the things that make up planet Earth. Now, now look at what's going to happen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, And the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, along with, I think, the whole universe, and the works that are therein shall be what? Burned up. What does that mean? Melted down to nothing. All right, the next verse, I think, makes it even more believable. Verse 11. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. Seeing then, now you want to remember, Peter wasn't a university graduate. Peter was an uneducated fisherman. But you see, Peter writes by inspiration with the same language that scientists use today. And what's the word I'm looking at? Dissolved. If you work in a chemistry lab, there are certain things that you can put together and it'll dissolve into a liquid. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or manner of living and godliness? Now he's putting the frosting on the cake. He's bringing it to, to the point. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 12. Second Peter, Peter chapter 3, verse 12. Looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of the Lord, of the day of God. Now I think he's referring to the beginning of eternity, the end of a thousand years of planet Earth, wherein the heavens, see, we're not talking about the planet. Being on fire shall be what? dissolved. Now when our scientists split the atom, what do they do? They permit these little particles to zip out. Now when they zip out, what do they do to the atom next door? Split it. And that's what we call nuclear fission. 
nuclear glue. It's what holds the atoms together. Now, let's use scripture. Remember what we're talking about, that God in his providence has constructed the atom in such a way that it does not self-destruct. Man has to somehow trigger it, and that's what they do with atomic energy. They have to trigger those particles into breaking out and then in turn splitting all those around us. And then you have your energy. Alright, now look at what the scripture says that Paul talks about. Colossians 1, dropping down to verse 15. We use them over and over. You have to understand who Jesus Christ really is, or you can never understand the gospel. You can never understand the work of the cross unless you understand who he really is. And here it is. This is one of the best descriptions of Jesus Christ that you can find in the whole book. Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 15. It says who, in other words, son up in verse 13, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, or before, of every creature, for by him, in other words, this Jesus of Nazareth, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, in other words, anything that you can imagine, were created by him and for him. Now here's the verse I'm heading for, Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things, what consist, or held together. It's the power of Jesus Christ that keeps that atom from disintegrating. Now come back to Peter. When he speaks of this whole creation being reduced to nothing, down to a fluid of some kind, it's going to be dissolved. Second Peter chapter 3 again, look at verse 12. That's the capstone. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved. Now, what's he going to do? He's going to release all the atomic energy of the universe, and he's going, and it's going to be a meltdown, totally. This man, a scholar, said that everything originated from an original source of light. Now, those of you who have a little science, light is equal to what? Energy. What's God? He's light and he's energy. And then he came to the end of his article. He said, I can further see that some sometime uh, way on out into the future, the whole thing will come back into the original source of light. And that's what Peter says. It's all going to be reduced. It's going to dissolve. And what's going to pull it off? Well, why will God destroy everything? Who has defiled everything? Satan has. Heaven? Yes, Satan's had access to heaven. His filthy presence has polluted everything that he's ever touched. So I think God is just going to have to show that. Yes, Satan diluted and polluted everything in his creation. And he's going to make it all brand new 
Everything is going to be brand new for eternity. Now reading on in verse 13. Then we'll run back to Revelation for a few minutes. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth what? Righteousness. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 21, where John is saying the same thing, inspired by the same Holy Spirit. And along with this new heaven and new earth, we see something that I sometimes think will be evident during the millennium. It won't be on the earth. It'll be out in space. And that is the holy city. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, that's not anything but a city, whether it is square or pyramid. There again is, is a lot of debate, but it's going to be 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. That's huge. You know that? That's the city, not, not the planet. I've always maintained since I understood a little bit of this that if you're going to have a city 1,500 miles wide and long, it should never sit on this planet. My goodness, half of it would be out over the Atlantic Ocean. So in order to have a planet big enough to hold a city 1,500 miles square, uh, can you imagine how huge that will be? But it's going to. It's going to come down and it's going to rest over the new earth. I think it'll be bigger than Jupiter myself. It's going to be humongous, but whatever. It's going to be a city 1,500 by 1,500 by 1500, whether it's up to the point of a pyramid or it's a cube, you take your pick. Okay, now verse 3. First, before you read any further, to what people uh, is John writing the book of Revelation? Israel. That's not one Gentile. There's not one Gentile word in here. This is all directed to the nation of Israel. Okay, reading on. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Who did God say that to uh, way back in Jeremiah? Israel. Go back to Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah chapter 31. This is the new covenant, and it's going to carry Israel right into the eternal state. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see how Scripture identifies itself with Scripture? All right, come back to Revelation once again. John is saying the same thing in chapter 21, that God dealing with his people, uh, Israel, will be their God and they shall be his people. Now verse 4, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, 
and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. In other words, I am the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, there's that word, overcometh. Where else did you see it? In the seven letters to those seven assemblies in the first three chapters of Revelation. And you know I made a point. Those weren't Gentile churches. Those were Jewish synagogues. Same language. Now come, now uh, down comes the city in verse 10. The city four squared. And again, I'm going to make the point. Look at how Jewish that all is. I'm still in Revelation chapter 21, verse 12. Revelation 21, 12. And had a great wall, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and after gates twelve angels, and names were written thereon, which are the names of the body of Christ. No, who? The twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Now verse 13, Revelation 21, 13. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. But were, the, uh, uh, but were they the apostles of Israel or Gentiles? Israel. So this is all Jewish. I don't care what they say. You cannot put a Gentile language in there. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. Revelation chapter 22 verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of life and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bare twelve manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And I feel that all of this is primarily the promises made to Israel. Now we're in there someplace in the body of Christ. I'm not going to leave you destitute of an eternal hope, but all of these things are first and foremost God's promises to his covenant people Israel. Revelation chapter 22 verse 9. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets. Now that's Old Testament. And of them who keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Then the Lord Jesus himself says in verse 12, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. When the lost will come before the great white throne, the saved of the ages, of course, will be in a different judgment. All right, so here again, verse 13. 
Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. Now you want to remember, the tree of life disappeared back in there in Genesis and had been off the scene until we get to the last chapter of the, of the book. Then it's back in view. The tree of life is still alive and well. All right, now here in, here's a verse that causes a lot of questions. Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now it's simply that those people will have no part in this eternal bliss of the new heaven and the new earth. They have already gone to their doom. It's just a reminder, I think, of the kind of people that will not be in that glorious abode. All right, I've got to uh, take time to make... Uh, I want to look at this look, last verse in verse 20 right here. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. You know, I think we're right right real close to the moment of the rapture so i want to ask you one question before i close here are you 100 percent sure that you are going to heaven did you know that god wants you to be sure that you're going to heaven he said in first john 5 13 that you may know that you have eternal life that you may know that you have eternal life well Here's the first thing you've got to do to gain eternal life. The first thing you have to recognize is that you are a sinner. That you are a sinner. And then you have to repent of that sin. That means give it up. You can repent a thousand times. won't do you a bit of good unless you give that sin up. Repent of the sin. And then believe in the Jesus Christ of the cross. Believe that he was the son of God. He came to this earth in the flesh. He died and was put in a tomb. He was crucified, put in a tomb, and three, day, and three days later rose from the dead to sit at the uh, right hand of God. He died for our sins. You have to believe that. You have to repent and believe and believe that. You know... Uh, that's the only way you're going to go to heaven. You're not going to go to heaven by your works. You could never be good enough to make it. Uh, how much work would you have to do to get there? You can't. You can't. You can't work to get there. Uh, it's a free gift. All we have to do is take it. You know, we need to give up our sin and believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's all we got to do. It's that simple. It's a free gift. I hope you enjoyed, and until next time, Dr. Troy Wall signing off.